Thanks, Andy and Ness. Keep your Bibles open there at that psalm as we spend some time now looking at it together. And you might also like to take out your service sheet and inside there there is a talk outline as there is each and every week. If you're someone who likes to take notes to help you process, remember and take to heart what God's Word says, then take that opportunity. And uh, why don't we talk over supper as well about what uh, we've been learning uh, from God's Word as well. Let me pray um, as we spend this time together. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the God that knows everything, that loves us deeply, and you speak to us personally through your word. We pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear your voice tonight, that you would give us receptive hearts, and that you might inspire and motivate our wills to put into practice the wisdom from your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you can remember, uh, but I can remember many, many years ago when I heard my voice that had been recorded for the very first time. Now, I was much younger. It was long before we had YouTube and Windows Movie Maker and iMovie and all the modern day software where you can record yourself and then play it back. Back in my day, what you needed to do was find a blank cassette tape. Kids, you'll have no idea what these are. Blank cassette tape, and you had to put it in your cassette deck or your boom box, and then you had to very carefully press record and play at the same time and hold it down, and you had to get that right because it had to pop up and you have to keep redoing it again. But once you got it, you would then speak into the vicinity of the tape deck, whatever you wanted to say or sing, and then when you finished, you press stop, and then you had to rewind and wait half an hour for it to get back to the very beginning, and then press play. And if you've done that for the first time, and you hear your recorded voice for the first time, it's shocking, isn't it? Do I really sound like that? I thought I had a very deep and powerful voice, not a high and whiny voice that was coming across on the recording. Do you remember that time? We can all have a perception of ourselves that is far from reality at times. Sometimes, like this little pussycat on the screen, we can have far too high a view of ourselves. I don't know if you've seen the movie Zoolander. Derek Zoolander famously said, there must be more to life than just simply being really, 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 really ridiculously good looking. Uh, you might watch the TV show The Voice or American Idol and you think, why didn't somebody ever have the love to tell that person that maybe a singing career is not for them, that they had too high a view of their own ability. But sometimes we, like the puppy on the screen, can have too low a view of ourselves as well. We may indeed hate talking about ourselves, hate it when people take photos of us and we try and hide our face or get out of the photo. And we would never dare come down the front or, or wear anything outlandish in case people laugh at us or reject us. We can have too low a view of ourselves. Or with the rise of social media, well, we now have the opportunity to create a whole version of ourselves that we would much prefer for people to look at and enjoy, maybe even that we would prefer of ourselves as well. How do you see yourself tonight? How do you perceive who you really are tonight. 
I think inside of us all, there is this battle, this love-hate dynamic relationship with ourself. On the one hand, we do really long for people to know who we truly are, not just what's on the surface, how I look or what I am able to do or any achievements that I might be able to make. We long for people to know who we really are, the real Mike. And we want people to love us for who we really are, not just for the surface level things, but for the deep, uh, the truth of who we are. But there is a battle with inside of us because if I truly reveal to people who I am, there's a fear there, isn't there? What if they don't love me? In fact, what if they laugh at me? What if they reject me? And so we can have this tendency to hide the truth of who we are, particularly from other people, maybe even from God as well. Which is why Psalm 139 is really important for us to look at tonight, however you perceive yourself. Because in this psalm, we're going to see that if you take the risk and be vulnerable about the truth of who you are, particularly before God, there is a real opportunity for profound growth, spiritually speaking. And from that basis, there could be a real opportunity to be more open and vulnerable with each other, to encourage each other as well. So let's dive in and look at this psalm. And you might notice as the psalm begins, it begins with this profound statement of who knows you best. We might think that we know ourselves best, but we're going to see tonight that sometimes we don't even know who we truly are. But God knows us. Look again at these verses, 1 to 6. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Now, it's beautiful poetry, but I hope the big idea of those verses is very clear. Who knows you the best? God knows you. God knows everything about you, everything you think, everything that you say, everything that you feel, everything you do, before you even do it, before you even think it. God knows it all. And as you get to the New Testament in the person of Jesus, you see a physical expression of this all-knowing power of God. There's this great line where Jesus says to his disciples, let me tell you about the all-knowing power of God. He knows so much that he even knows the very number of hairs on your head. Which for Harley and I, that's not so much of a challenge for God, but for others it may indeed be. And then there's these other beautiful stories within the Gospel where you see that Jesus, the divine Son of God, can actually read people's minds and hearts, that he knows people at the depths of their being. And so he can call out the Pharisees for the bitterness and hypocrisy that's within their heart that they've been very good at hiding from others but Jesus can see through it. Or the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit it? And Jesus knows that what's really going on in his heart is a love for power and money. Or when Jesus approaches the, the woman at the well, he knows every past relationship that she's had. And, she knows, and he knows what she really longs for, beyond what she even knows herself. Jesus, our divine God, knows everything 
about us. I don't know about you, but I would love to be all-knowing. I would love to be able to read minds. Gee, it'd make being a husband, a father, a pastor so much easier. But if I'm honest with myself, I don't even know myself perfectly. I think I have a pretty good view of myself, but sometimes I don't even know myself. I think David's right in verse 6. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond us. It's too lofty. I'm unable to reach it. There is only one who truly knows it all. One who truly knows me and you, and that is God himself. And if we had any doubts that we could hide our true self from God, verse 7 to 12 puts that to bed. Listen to what King David says. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like a day. Darkness and light are alike to you. I hope the logic even in the midst of that poetry, is very clear. Up, down, east, west, wherever you go, you cannot hide yourself from God. Even if you had the ability to fly faster than the speed of light, wherever you end up, God will already be there. He is everywhere. He knows everything about you. You cannot hide yourself from him. You might recall the story of Jonah. He tried to hide himself from God, didn't he? And he learned the hard way that he couldn't. We ought not to be so silly to think that we could hide our true self from God. Now, that knowledge that God knows you even better than you know yourself, how does that make you feel? For many of us, our initial emotional reaction might be one of concern because if we haven't lived God's way, that is quite concerning that God knows the darkness and the depth uh, of sin in our heart and life because what if God suddenly becomes a little bit more like Simon Cowell on American Idol just tells it as it is and absolutely crushes our soul and spirit by reminding us of reality it's concerning isn't it now of course there are many warnings throughout the scriptures for those who stubbornly refuse to see the reality from God's point of view but it is interesting in Psalm 139, as David continues to reflect on this extraordinary knowledge that God has of him, he's not concerned. He's not filled with fear. In fact, David reflects again that even though God knows everything about him, that God still loves him deeply. That he made him, that he's precious in God's sight. Have a look at these verses, verse 13 to 16. David says, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Can you see the tone of those verses is quite positive. In view of God's extraordinary knowledge of the depths of who David is, he's not afraid. In fact, he says, I praise you, God, because I know you love me. 
warts and all, that you created me, that you, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And that you know, knitting idea, isn't it? God is the master clothes designer. Except he doesn't just design clothes for life, he designs life itself. David knows that God had planned and molded and shaped him from the very beginning. That God is for him, that God loves him. I still remember each of the ultrasounds of my three children as they were developing in the womb. Maybe you're a parent here and you can remember those ultrasounds when you see the profile of the head for the first time, the little fingers and the nose that looks kind of bent out of shape, but it's just developing their ears. And, and even the ultrasounds that show you the heartbeat, how cool is that? I think now you can get 3D versions, is that right? And in all sorts of colours and it's just incredible that you are loved by God too, that he knit you together, that he's knit your children in your womb. Psalm 139 is God's clear yes to the significance of your life, but also God's clear no to those who would seek to belittle, bully or cut short human life. We are loved deeply by him. And you may not have the body of Angelina Jolie or the body of Brad Pitt or the brains of Stephen Hawking, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You are you, just as God made you. He loves you. And David is so moved by that knowledge that he praises God again in verse 17. He says, God, how difficult, or another translation is, how precious your thoughts are for me to comprehend. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, I am still with you. God knows everything about David. The idea that God would still love him and all of those thoughts are so precious and almost unthinkable to him. But every morning he wakes up, he knows that God is still with him. And if David could say that, how much more can you and I? who know God in the person of Christ. Because we know in Jesus that God entered fully into the human experience, that he knit his own human flesh for a time, that he lived the full human life, that he suffered death, not for his own sins, but to pay for ours out of love and grace, and then physically rose from the dead to guarantee new life to all those who would put their trust in him and as david knew god's presence with him we do as well do you remember those famous promises jesus after the great commission go into all the world make disciples of all the, and behold i am with you to the very end of the age god knows everything about us and in jesus we know that he loves us even more than probably what king david did when I was in Sunday school, I was taught this little rhyme uh, to remind us of this truth. Maybe you've heard it before, I'm going to share it again. But it's so simple, but so profound. It went like this. A best friend is one who knows the worst about you and loves you just the same. And there's only one who truly loves like that, and Jesus is his name. It's true, isn't it? He knows the very worst about us, but he loves us deeply. And when you know that truth, it can shape the way that you see yourself. You can be more honest about yourself. 
particularly before God and other people. Now, as the psalm ends in verse 19 to 24, I don't know if particularly verse 19 to 22 stood out for you as the the tone slightly changes. Well, not quite slightly. It's a big gear change without the clutch. Let me read verse 19 to 22. See if you are happy with these words of David. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Slightly different tone to the previous verses, isn't it? And it was very interesting, after the sermon at the 9 o'clock service this morning, uh, we played a song, uh, a contemporary song called Psalm 139 by the band The Sons of Korah, which is literally just Psalm 139 to music. And and as we were listening and reflecting on this, I'm like, gee, how are they going to do verse 19 to 22? They don't. They just stop. Because it stands out so different to the rest of the psalm. What do you do with that? How can David say such hate-filled words when he said such passionate, loving words in all the previous verses? And you must remember, David's not a historical pillar of moral virtue. Remember the story of Bathsheba? Uriah the Hittite? But now he's standing on his moral high ground. I hate those who hate you and um, extreme hatred. David, what are you doing? Many have said that David is trying to express his concern for the honour of God and this is just his way of expressing it. And he may indeed be doing that, but gee, it really is such a contrast, isn't it? I think that that confusion and that contrast is deliberate. What we potentially have here at the end of the psalm is David responding to the absolute security and safety he has in his relationship with God, that God knows everything about him and loves him the same, he's absolutely safe in his relationship with God, that he can be so honest with God about what's going on in his heart, how he's feeling and the thoughts that he's thinking. Safety in God can lead you to be honest with God. And I think that makes sense of the last two verses, where David has just expressed his feelings of hatred towards those who uh, believe something different or don't like God. And then David says in verse 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. And you might say, well, David, yeah, you do have some offensive things in your heart and mind that God needs to work on. And maybe David does. He's, going, he's a real human. He's going through these deep emotions and thoughts, maybe in his mind for the honour of God, but maybe there's some human self-centred thoughts that are going on there. And he's saying to God, God, I'm going through all of these emotions and thoughts and I don't know if they're right or wrong. I think that they're right, but maybe they're not. God, search me and test me. Find, reveal to me if they are wrong and then lead me in the better way. I don't know if you've ever been audited by the Australian Tax Office. That sounds great, doesn't it? But imagine you got that letter, you're about to be audited. Kind of the King David response here would be, uh, say to the tax, well, here's 10 years of my previous financial history. Search them, test them, see if there's any offensive way in there and I'll pay back what I need to pay. Now, you'll only do that if you trust the person that's doing the searching and the testing that they're not going to put things there that aren't true or manipulate things for their end, not yours. And the same, you'll only be honest with somebody about the truth of who you are if you trust them 
that they love you, that they're for you, and they're not out to get you. David is so secure in his trust that God loves him and that God knows everything about him that he's prepared to bring his whole self before God. Hey, search me, God, test me. If there's anything that's offensive there, I want to work on it. I want to follow the way of everlasting. Safety in God means that you can be honest with God. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you did bring your whole self before God? When you were honest about your true self before God. When you reflected on your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your words, and you said, God, I think this is right, but sometimes I don't even know myself. Show me if there is any offense in here that I need your spirit to work on. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that to God? That you examined yourself in the presence of God. What stops us from doing that? Is it fear? Is it fear that we may not like what God's Spirit reveals to our heart and mind about who we are? Maybe. Is it a fear that God might reject us? Well, remember, if you're safely under the banner of the gospel, you don't need to be afraid to bring yourself before God because He already knows it anyway. And He loves you and has forgiven you in Christ. When you understand that safety, you can be absolutely honest before God. So let me encourage you to examine yourself to bring your whole self before God. Because as David says, there is a real opportunity for growth that you can discover this everlasting way. Now, how do we do that? What might that practically look like to examine ourselves and bring our whole self before God? Well, let me share you seven practical tips of examining yourself and bringing your whole self before God. The first step is this. Start with praise. You might think self-examination is all about starting with myself. Well, no, I want you to start with God. Praise God for who he is and what he has done for you, creating you and saving you in Christ. Maybe pick out one of your favorite Bible verses and read it again about God's love for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, thank you, God. Praise him in song. Praise him in prayer. Remind yourself again of the security that you have in Christ and then step two invitation once you feel secure again in God's love pray those completely honest words of verse 23 and 24 of Psalm 139 search me God test me invite God to go on a journey with you of self-discovery God already knows it but you're asking God to reveal more about who you really are even the parts of our life that we've been very good at hiding even from ourselves invitation and then step three start to review your life you can do this daily some people like to journal their christian life and at the end of the day write down the major events of the day or you can do it at the end of the week or the end of the month if you've got good memory just write down what did i do today or this week what did i say what were the things that were going on in my mind what were my feelings and then compare that with God's Word. What might God's Word say about the things that I did or the thoughts that I was thinking or the feelings that I was having? Review. And step four, thanksgiving. When we start to reflect on ourselves, sometimes we can just focus on the negative about how we're so unlike Christ. But if you are a Christian, you are filled with the Spirit of God and there will be 
growing fruit in your life. And as you reflect on everything that you've done, said, thought, felt, some of that will be honoring of Jesus. So thank God for it. Thank God that he's shown you evidence of his grace at work in your life and give him great praise. But step five, we also know that there are things that we'll see in our review that God's not proud of, that we're not. And so we need to name it, confess it, apologize to God for the things that we thought that weren't honoring to him, the feelings that we had that maybe were disproportionate, the words that we said in anger or haste, the actions that we did that were not wise. Confess it before him. And also reflect on what was going on at the time of those things. Was there some other idol in my heart that was more attractive than God at that point? Was I more interested in my own comfort and that's why I did what I did? Was I more interested in my own pleasure and that's why I, I did what I did? Was I more interested in how people view me than resting in that God knows me? I, try and reflect on that so that you can then learn from it uh, in the future if a similar circumstance comes up. Confession. But then because we're gospel people, step six, remind yourself of the gospel, that you are forgiven. And sometimes you might need to say out loud, 1 John 1, 9, those who confess their sins, God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse from all unrighteousness. To dare to believe again that you're loved by God and that he forgives you in Christ. And then step seven, to change, to repent, and to ask God's help to make that next step in whatever that might be in your, in your life. It might just simply stop with an apology to God. Maybe it's him and your relationship with him that needs to get right again. And so it just maybe stops with confession and forgiveness. But it could also be that you need to make amends with somebody else that you said that harsh word to or uh, that you did something that you're not proud of, uh, that you might need to make amends in that way. But make the change, repent, and that's where you'll see the power of God's spirit at work in your life. Praise, invitation, review, thanksgiving, confession, forgiveness, repentance. I know you're not going to remember each of those seven steps. That's why I've printed them for you. Take it home. And when you do this exercise of self-examination at the end of next week, use these steps. And I think you'll find it profoundly helpful uh, bringing your whole self before God. And you can. You don't need to be afraid. Because remember, safety in God means that you can be absolutely honest with him. And just imagine what it might look like if we all did this on a regular basis, brought our whole self honestly before God. Can you see the difference that it might make in our church community? There would be, I think, a, a higher degree of openness, maybe even among ourselves. As we know that we're securing God, yes, we can be honest with him, but as we also recognize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we can actually be open and vulnerable to each other. And there might be an even higher degree of openness. There, there'll be an increase in humility as we recognize that we're not perfect, that we can't have too high a view of ourselves. There might actually be a more healthy self-esteem for those of us who are really struggling with self-doubt and depression. Actually, I'm loved by God. He knit me together. I'm precious. And remember, there are thousands of people in our community who long to be truly known and loved, but can't see how that can be possible. 
can we have an opportunity to share the gospel where those two things come hand in hand and they can join a community like ours and see what that looks like in practice. Can you see it? I hope you can. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in the Lord Jesus we are absolutely safe and secure, that our sins and imperfections have been fully and finally paid for, that we are right with you. But Father, we know that we are not in heaven yet, that the Christian life is still a spiritual battle, that our hearts are still tainted, broken by sin, even though you are mending it back together by your Spirit. So Father, help us to have good self-perception, to know ourselves truly. Thank you that your word is like a mirror, reveals who we truly are. Father, we've been very good at hiding ourselves, even from ourselves at times. But by your spirit, as we undertake this self-examination process at times, help us to be honest so that we might change and find that way of everlasting and truly be that light on the hill as a community that Jesus calls us to be, that people might be drawn to him. It's in his name we pray.